Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew and I'm the lead pastor. We're so glad you could join us today from wherever you're watching or listening from. If this is your first time joining us, hey, go to RadiantChurchSC.com and click I'm new. We filled that short form online for us as a way of saying thanks. We're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that's listed right there. As you can tell, I am suffering from allergies today. <laughs> so I'll try to uh, go with you, go with the flow here the, the, this afternoon or morning, wherever you're watching. We're in week two of a series called Running with the Giants. It's based off Hebrews 11, where we read about great spiritual giants of the faith, guys like you know Noah and Moses and Abraham. And after listing some of the names and telling us a little bit about, about their stories, the author gets into the next chapter and he starts off like this. This is Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 1. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses uh, to the life of the faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let's run the race with the endurance that God has set before us. All right, so the witnesses here. It's an allusion to these spiritual giants in Hebrews chapter 11. Now, I've read this chapter dozens of times, and I've always wondered, what if these guys could share some of their experiences. Well, what would they say, you know? And, and because the Bible often describes our lives as a race that we're running in, what if we're running this race and one by one, these spiritual giants that come out of the stands and they run a lap with us? What would they say? What kind of wisdom and lessons would they leave us with? What would it be like to run with some of the giants? So last week, we, we looked at the first giant, right, to get out of the stands and run with us, a man named Samson. And we learned how, you know, you can be blind to all sorts of things in your life. You can be blind to your purpose, relationships, even who God is. But as we learned at the end of his story, failure is never final when we allow God to have the final say in our lives. So, all right, Samson gets back up in the stands. He's cheering us on. But who's next? Well, this next guy who gets down and starts running is one of the most relatable figures you're going to read about in Scripture. Uh, he was an assistant to one of the greatest Old Testament prophets to ever live. A man who didn't even die. A man, by the way, named Elijah. But this guy, he becomes a major prophetic figure himself. In fact, he performs more miracles than any other person besides Jesus. There's 28 recordings miracles stemming from a man named Elisha. I know, Elijah and Elisha. It gets a little little tongue twister there, doesn't it? Uh, So Elisha didn't have an exciting beginning. There were no angels showing up to tell his mom she'd have uh, a son, kind of like in Samson's story. There's no adrenaline-pounding story of escape like in Moses, you know. Uh, Elisha was was just a normal guy living in the countryside, working the fields. He's actually plowing with a team of, of oxen when he first encounters Elisha. Now, if you're plowing with oxen all day, you probably wouldn't use the word exciting to describe your life, right? Like, I'm I'm sure Elisha wondered a time or two, is this really it? There's got to be more than just plowing behind oxen, right? How many of you guys have asked that kind of question before, you know? Is my life going to count for something? Is this this really it? I think many of us have, have been there, and we've been there on more than one occasion, haven't we? You're at your job, and it's not exactly what you want to do with the rest of your life. But it does pay the bills, but still, you're kind of like, I don't know, there's got to be more. Is this really it? 
and maybe you've been successful and you've achieved every goal and dream you set out to accomplish, man. But instead of satisfaction, you're wondering, uh, I thought there'd be more. It feels like there should be more. What, is this really it? See, I think Elisha, you know, he, he gets where a lot of us are at today. I mean, if you were running with, with us, he might say, yeah, you know, what I, I was doing, it wasn't the most exhilarating thing, but I had no idea that my life would end up where it did. I had no clue I would succeed Elijah and that God would use me to do all the miracles that I did to counsel and confront kings, to raise the dead. Like, dude, it was wild. Now, I can guarantee you that Elisha didn't see himself as a great prophet while he was plowing those fields. But God saw something that Elisha couldn't see in himself. See, God, he had a different perspective. In the mundane, in the ordinary, God uh, saw someone who would become extraordinary. So, you know, most of us, we, we don't see ourselves as God does, right? We see our lives with the wrong perspective. We see things not as important. Maybe we don't feel spiritually important enough. Maybe, you know, Monday through Friday seems routine, dull. We just kind of think like we're not making a big difference where we're at, you know. But because God has a purpose for your life, it means that, that God has something great. He's planted within you. Your, your idea of great is not always God's idea of great too, by the way. Just keep that in mind, all right? See, any God-given purpose, it, it starts with Him. And because it starts with Him, it is great. So God does see something great inside of you. The question is, how do you get to a place where you see it too? Because let's be real, it's not obvious, <laughs> right? Like, so what do you do? Well, you've got to have the mindset that you're going to give your best wherever you are and whatever you're doing. So God's watching like, how you respond to circumstances around you, for instance. He's observing how you handle things, and He's seeing if you're really going to live up to that great potential He's put inside of you. As we're starting this lap with Elisha, He might say, hey, let me share with you some keys to help you see, you know, to see what God sees inside of you. And, and, and the first key you need to know and remember is that you need to give your best in obscurity so God will reward you. Now here's what this means, okay? You may not think you're being noticed by anybody. You, you may think you're being noticed by God, but you give your best anyway because He is always watching. He is always observing. So what was Elisha doing when Elijah found him? Well, go to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings 19, verse number 19. So Elijah went and he found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the twelfth team. So Elisha went over to him, and he threw his cloak across his shoulders, and he walked away. And Elisha left the oxen standing there, and he ran after Elijah, and he said to him, First, let me go and kiss my mother and father goodbye, and then I'll go with you. And so Elijah replied, Well, go on back, but think about what I've done to you. So when Elijah threw his cloak over Elisha, he was telling him, Hey man, you, I want you to follow me. You know, think about Jesus calling the disciples for a moment, kind of, kind of similar type fashion, okay? And so he walks away, and then for six years, nothing happens. Elisha will follow Elijah, he'll learn from him, but nothing substantial happens in his life. He's the this, he's this student for six years. 
Well, this isn't part of the story. It's just a theory of mine, okay? But I think one of the reasons God may have had Elijah choose Elisha was because he knew Elisha could be faithful to do what needed to be done. Elisha didn't need the spotlight. He didn't need special favors or fanfare or recognition. He could be faithful and do what needed to be done. I mean, the man is plowing oxen, right? I'll be honest with you, man. I, I love social media and I hate it at the same time. <laughs> I think most of us are there, right? Like I love being able to stay connected to folks, but I hate how so many feel the need to capture every moment. I'm not a fan of the stage picture or the perfect caption to let the world know what you're doing. I often wonder if people would still do some of the things they do on social media if it just wasn't around, you know? Uh, if no one knew what they were doing. Matthew 6, 4, uh, Christ tells us this. Give your gifts in private and your father who sees everything okay will reward you so in other words whatever you do in secret when no one is noticing or watching it's not really unseen because God sees you and guess what God will promote you he will reward you Elisha is faithful and God rewards that faithfulness by giving him the chance to learn under the greatest Old Testament prophet ever for the next six years Give your best in the obscurity and God will reward you. But it's also true that when you give your best in the small things, God will give you bigger things as well. All right. So here's something which may surprise you. God cares about the details. Some of you cringe hearing that because you're not detailed people, right? But think about how enormously complex the human body is. Pick a system, any system, you know, uh, pick the neurological system. Think how God wired our brains and how our neurons, which communicate electric pulses to the nerve endings in our body are running everywhere. I mean, it's just, it's crazy, right? I mean, God cares about the details. But not all of us are wired that way. So some of us, we, we want to skip right past the details. I said it earlier, you're kind of cringing a little bit, you know, because we tend to want to do a bunch of different things and do them all at once rather than taking our time to do a few things really well and take care of the details. So that way we can handle bigger things down the road. By the way, that's how God's reward system actually works. Check this out. Jesus' own words in Luke chapter 16. He says, if you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. <clears throat> this is exactly how Elisha's life plays out. He's faithful in obscurity. He's faithful in something small, from a big picture perspective anyway, uh, like plowing oxen. And what does God do? He rewards him. He promotes him. He's not learning under Elijah just, just, for, for, just for happens chance here. Look at verse number 21. So Elisha returned to his oxen, slaughtered them, and he used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople. They all ate. And then look at this. He went with Elijah as his assistant. So six years later, they're walking along a road. And Elijah asks if there's anything he can do for Elisha. He knows God's getting ready to take him away. And here's where the third key comes into play, where Elisha might tell us today, if you give your best in the natural, God will do the supernatural. 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Elisha replied, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit in becoming your successor. Now, he's all in right here, man. <laughs> he's like, hey, Elijah, you did 14 miracles. I want to do 28. I want double. 
You know, now check out Elijah's response. He says, you've asked a difficult thing. So in other words, that's a really big ask. I ain't small at all, bro. Now, if you see me when I'm taken from you, well, then you'll get your request. But if not, I guess you won't. And you know what happens? Elisha goes for it. I mean, he just goes all in. And why not? Like, like, what's the worst that could happen? Nothing, right? Like, nothing would change. Everything's the same. So sure, why not ask? Why not go all in? And so he does. And sure enough, he sees Elijah taken into heaven. God answers his prayer. Oh, man, what I just love about this, that Elisha just asked. That's a natural thing anybody can do. It wasn't deeply spiritual. It didn't involve some special quest or whatever. Like, all Elisha had to do was just ask. Can I ask you something today, man? Have you stopped asking God for big things? I wonder if God is sometimes insulted at our small level of thinking. Like, what, what are you afraid of? Like, the worst God's going to do is tell you no. But what if he answers your prayer, right? Like, what if you ask for big things again? You, you don't have to know how it's all going to work out. Let God handle that. Don't be embarrassed because it seems so out of reach right now. Do you know how quickly things can change? Have you seen what's happened in our world in the last year? Like, in fact, if your dream is bigger and beyond reach, it's a pretty good candidate for a God-sized miracle, right, if he answers it. So if it's something so small that you can handle on your own, it ain't really much of a dream, right? I, I can hear a little bit of journey playing right now, can't you? You know, come on, don't stop believing oh come on don't stop believing big things don't stop it jesus puts it like this in john chapter 14 he says i tell you the truth anyone who believes in me will do the same works i've done and even greater works because i'm going to be with the father you can ask for anything in my name and i'm going to do it so that the son can bring glory to the father yeah just ask me for anything in my name and i will do it. Jesus says what? Ask anything and you'll do amazing things. You'll do bigger things. Man, why not pray about our jobs like that? right? Like, why not pray for our families, our friends, our communities in this way? Well, what if it just doesn't happen? Okay, fine, then nothing happens, nothing changes. But what if it does, right? Like, doesn't that just excite you? Doesn't that just get you going? Like, what if it does, man? All you have to do is just ask. I think if Elisha was with us today, he'd say, man, I never thought God would answer that prayer. If you'd asked me before, if I'd be the man I am today and do what I did for the man, I would never believe you. But I asked and God answered my prayer and my life was changed forever. So we're rounding our lap now, okay? We're getting to the last 200 meters maybe for you track runners out there. And the question gets posed to Elisha. Okay, but, but how do you dream so big to even ask? Like how do you dream big dreams for God? So I think Elisha would respond with a few things. First, he'd probably say, learn to cultivate God's presence in your life. Get close to God. Because if you can do that, get close to the Lord, man, he'll begin to speak things to you. So sometime later, the kings of Israel and Judah and Edom, they march out to fight against Moab. And they're in the desert. And of course, you know, there's no water in the desert. <laughs> so they're facing a pretty big problem. If they don't get some water soon, they're going to be forced to turn back. In the process, they're going to lose soldiers and livestock along the way because of the lack of water. It's just not a good scenario. So the king of Judah, a man named Jehoshaphat, he asked if there's someone among them who hears from the Lord. He's talking about a prophet here, okay? And of course, we read in 2 Kings chapter 3, they bring Elisha in, all right? So the armies of Israel and Judah and Edom, they need water. 
the first thing Elisha does, he asks for a harpist. Like, hey, Elisha, we need some water, man. He's like, yeah, bro, but I got to have that worship music. Give me a little bit of Maverick City, elevation. I'll take anything, you know. And watch what happens. So, so the music plays. God's hand comes on Elisha. And, 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 and all of a sudden, something begins to stir and take place. You say, man, what's that all about? Well, see, Elisha, he knew he had no hope for these guys without getting close to the Lord first. And he knew, man, he couldn't get close to God without a little bit of worship music. He needed to have something, uh, something going on to be in God's presence. Listen to me. Dreams are birthed in the presence of God. The dream of Radiant Church did not come on a whim. It came from extensive time spent in God's presence. I didn't know when and where and all the details, but I knew the dream, and I sensed what God was going to call us to do and build one day. Do what you got to do to get into God's presence. It, it, it may not be worship music, right? I mean, you may not be a music kind of guy. Maybe you're an outdoors person and the silence and solitude of the hiking trails gets you. Like, I, I don't know. But you better find it because getting close to Jesus is what will change everything. It'll set you apart from everything and everybody else. And it will birth God-given dreams in your life. So we're coming down the stretch, the final 100 meters, and perhaps Elisha might say, well, all right, dreams are important. But at some point, you're going to have to wake up and do something. You know, it's good to have big dreams, and sometimes you can wait on God and everything works out. But often, believe it or not, I think God's actually waiting on you. So, so what do I do, you say? Well, <laughs> anything. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. Not, not actually anything. But you can start moving in the right direction and doing what needs to be done there. And what God typically does, he begins to connect dots and open doors and make things happen. So God's spoken to Elisha and he's had time in the Lord's presence. And then watch what he says. Look at 2 Kings chapter 3, verse number 16. He says this. This is what the Lord says. Make this valley full of ditches. So <laughs> not a cloud in the sky. You know, uh, can't God just sort of like, poof, there's water? You know, he's God, right? Uh, if I'm one of those soldiers, I'm wondering why I got to dig ditches in the middle of a desert. Why do these guys got to dig ditches for God before a miracle? He's God, right? Sometimes dreams have to move from inspiration to participation. Listen to me. Do not get stuck in the Christian life doing the Christian thing talking about spiritual concepts and theories and theology. I, I like all that stuff. I'm an academic at heart, really. So I, I love those conversations. I get it. But we can't do that all the time because it accomplishes nothing. You, you got to get up and you got to do something, man. Dig some ditches. Get involved. Take some steps. Because as James reminds us in the New Testament, James chapter 2, verse 17, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it's dead and useless. And so Elijah keeps going in verse number 17. He says, you're, you're going to see neither wind nor rain, says the Lord. But this valley will be filled with water, and you will have plenty for yourselves and your cattle and other animals. But this is only a simple thing for the Lord, man, for he will make you victorious over the army of Moab. Why is this so important? Because most of us, we get really discouraged when we don't see signs or our own perceptions of progress. Listen to me carefully. We sing it, right? Like, even when I can't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. You never stop. Come on with me. You never stop working, right? Yeah, you're singing with me right along. Isn't it a good song? It's a great song. Do you believe it, though? 
It's easy to feel that way when other Christians are with you and you're in a corporate worship setting and that kind of, but you know, when it's Tuesday afternoon, it's five o'clock, do you still believe it? Do you still believe God's working when you can't see it and you can't feel it? When it appears that things aren't working out now or anytime soon? When what you see doesn't match what God has spoken, hear me now, that's when you walk by faith and not by sight. Why? Because as Elisha, I think, would wrap up and tell us, you cannot base your life on the seen. You have to base it on the unseen things that God has spoken to you. So years ago, I had what I still consider to this day one of the most discouraging moments in all of ministry, my ministry experience. We started with 27 people at the campus I used to pastor, and that included kids, and you know, that's not a lot. So a few months later, we found ourselves right back at that same number one Sunday. This is eight years ago. And so it's not like you had a global pandemic to change things, and <laughs> like, oh, I had 27 folks because <laughs> COVID didn't exist eight years ago. So I remember God speaking to me later that week and showing me what would become of our little campus that we were pastoring. And he showed me the impact and he reminded me of why we were there. And years later, we had, we had multiple services. We had a food bank ministry that fed 150 families a month. I was asked to pray at town council meetings. And anytime there was a hurricane or the town would call our church first. Hey, how, hey what can you do to help? What, what can you guys do to help our, our, our folks out? We had a sizable life impact on the community during that time. But did it happen overnight? No. In fact, I got to a point where I thought it was never going to happen. Four years into our pastorate, things just started to change. Doors started to open up. Before we knew it, we were stepping into and living the dreams that God had birthed in us for that campus all those years earlier. It is so easy to quit when you can't see all that God's doing behind the scenes. But you can't give up. You can't base your life on what you see. All Elisha saw for years was a wide open field. All we saw was the, the back of a team of oxen. Year after year, day after day. That was his life, unnoticed, unimportant, until one day Elijah showed up. Listen to me today, man. Learn from Elisha's story. Your life is not mundane. It isn't unimportant. There is something great that God's planted within you. Just stay faithful in the little things, okay? Even when no one notices what you're doing. Get close to the Lord and view your life not by what you're seeing right now, but by what has yet to take place, but what God has already birthed and spoken to you about what He sees. Even though you can't feel it, and even though you can't see it, He's working, and He never stops working. Let me pray for you here today. Father, I love you. I thank you for every person watching and listening right now. Lord, I pray for those who are struggling today. They, they view their life as unimportant, mundane. No one notices what's going on. No one sees anything that's happening, man. But what, what, what am I doing with my life? God, today I pray you would speak to their hearts. You would awaken them, God. Show them, hey, there is a purpose you have for them. There is a plan. There is, a, there is gifts. There is the reason they're here. And God, you are working behind the scenes. And I pray, Lord, that as they are faithful in what they are doing, and Lord, as they continue to draw close to you, God, I pray that one day uh, they will step into the dream you have for them. They begin to live out the God-given dream and purpose you've been, been birthing inside of their lives. May they have incredible impact on their community, on their family, on their workplace. Lord, we pray. 
it can be discouraging. But God, I pray today you would encourage them, let them know, just like Elisha, man, you're working. Even though they can't see it, you're working. Lord, I pray for those who don't know you today. In fact, if you don't know Jesus right now, this is step number one, really, you got to fix. I want you just to repeat this prayer after me in your own words. You don't got to say it out loud if you don't want. Whether you're, you, know, you could be driving, working out, doesn't matter. I just want you to follow along with me in your own words. Jesus, today I, I'm, I'm committing my life over to you. I'm sorry for my sin. Forgive me for the wrong that I've done. I want my life to be in your hands. I, you have a purpose for my life. There's things you want to do. I didn't even know about that. So today, God, I'm giving everything over to you. I want to follow you. I want to serve you. That's called making him Savior. Now we're going to make him Lord. And so from this day forward, I'm not going to call the shots. I'm not going to do my own thing. Lord, I'm asking from this day forward, Jesus, you become Lord of my life. I will serve and follow and obey you. I pray that you lead and guide me. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.